What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. We dive into stories of true crime, from unsolved cold cases to historic kidnapping to gangsters and beyond. We are your source for true crime. We thank you for listening. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I'm your host, Larry Elise. And on today's episode of Murder Monday, we dive into the shocking murder of Michael Jordan's father, James Jordan Sr., but first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Audible, for sponsoring this episode. Audible is a massive library of audiobooks from every genre. They've got everything from the latest bestsellers to those old classics you've always wanted to read, but just never got around to it. And they've got a huge range of genres. Romance, mystery, sci-fi, fantasy, whatever floats your boat. It's super easy to get started with Audible, too. All you need is an internet connection and a smartphone or tablet, and you can listen at home, at work, on the train, during your commute, out walking the dog, you get the picture. It's endless content for endless moments in life. And if you want a three, free three-month trial and a free audiobook of your, tri- of your choice, excuse me, head on over to audibletrial.com slash Larry21. And without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. At the dawn of the 1990s, the NBA was going through a transition. The 80s had been dominated by the Larry Bird-led Celtics and the Magic Johnson-led Lakers, and the two stars had popularized the sport, which had suffered from low fan interest during the 70s. By the start of the 90s, both Bird and Magic were worn down and would be out of the league before the end of George H.W. Bush's presidency. In their place stepped in a lone player, one who had captured the imaginations of both fans and non-fans alike. When Michael Jordan arrived in the NBA in 1984, no one knew that the most important athlete of the era had just arrived. Jordan's gravity-defying dunks and Air Jordan shoes made him iconic before he was old enough to rent a car. He effectively ended the NBA in the 1980s 
when he defeated Magic Johnson to capture his first NBA title in 1991. And by Jordan's side the entire time was his father, James Jordan Jr. During the first decade of his career, Jordan relied on the calming presence of his dad. This This bond would be shattered in July 1993 when James Jordan was murdered in the family home state of North Carolina. The shockwaves around the nation as the investigation and trial unfolded are still felt to this day. So we're going to discuss the tragic story of the murder of James Jordan, father of NBA legend Michael Jordan. So who was James Jordan Sr.? James Jordan Jr. or Sr., excuse me, was born on July 31st, 1936 in Wallace, North Carolina. James met uh, Dolores Peoples at a basketball game in 1954. He had previously competed against her brothers in high school basketball. When the two met, they fell head over heels in love. Ray said he planned to marry her one day, and despite the objections of her father, the two began to date. After graduating, James entered the U.S. Air Force and was sent to San Antonio while Dolores went to trade school in Alabama. However, the pair missed each other too much to be separated. Two years after meeting, they were married. James transferred to Virginia, and Dolores left school and moved in with her parents-in-law. Over the next few years, the pair would have three children as James left the Air Force to work at a local textile mill in North Carolina. Dreaming of a better life, the family moved to New York, where James attended trade school under the GI Bill and learned how to work with hydraulic equipment. During this time, Michael was born, the fourth of James and Dolores' five children. Soon, the family resettled in Wilmington, North Carolina. James took a job at General Electric until he retired in the late in the late 1980s. While Michael Jordan was only one of five children, James uh, James Jordan Sr. and Dolores, uh, he and James Sr. were joined at the hip throughout his entire life. Michael was the fourth of the five kids and married his father in his everyday life. Michael's famous trademark of sticking his tongue out came from his father, who would do the same action when concentrating intensely on a project. Even their handwriting could be mistaken for each other's. Surprisingly, James did not start his future son on the hardwood, but instead on the baseball diamond. Michael said that when he was six years old, James got Michael into his first sport, baseball. Despite becoming a basketball phenom, phenom, with his parents watching all of his games at nearby University in North Carolina at Chapel Hill and with the Chicago Bulls, James still desired his son to play baseball. Do not take this to suggest that James did not appreciate his son's basketball skills. On the contrary, he was the closest member of Michael's entourage and became a common face on television as he watched his son wow audiences. In a 1991 sideline interview, James spoke about being Michael's number one fan and how he thought his son would be a baseball player. Jordan said after the 93 season when Michael won his third straight title, his father suggested he leave basketball for baseball. Unfortunately, James would not see his son play another professional game. For Michael and James Jordan Sr., the month of June 1993 was a celebratory time. Michael had just gotten his third straight NBA title, the first three-peat in the sports history since the Celtics won eight straight titles from 1959 to 1966. This game is the conclusion of a postseason run marred with controversy. As Jordan had been seen gambling during earlier series, 
prompting a national spotlight in the NBA opening an investigation into its gambling habits. According to the Chicago Tribune during this time, like throughout his career, James Sr. was standing right by his son's side. On June 19, 1993, the Chicago Bulls defeated the Phoenix Suns in a best-of-seven series to win their third straight NBA Finals, and Michael was named the series MVP. One month later, James had set off in a red Lexus SC400, gifted to him by a superstar son to Wilmington, North Carolina. An old colleague had passed away, and James had gone to the funeral. The plan for James was to attend the funeral in Wilmington, drive to Charlotte, and then hop on a plane to Chicago. The funeral was the last time James was seen alive, as he never made it to Charlotte. According to the Chicago Tribune on July 23, 1993, a month after James Jordan Sr. watched his son once again win the finals and become finals MVP, in about a week before his 57th birthday, he was sleeping in his car on the side of the road. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Lumberton, North Carolina. He had grown tired during his drive to Charlotte and had decided to park his car in the intersection of US-74 and Interstate 95 and take a rest for the night before commencing with his trip. His sports car um, drew the attention of two local young men, Daniel Green and Larry Demery, who decided to take the car and all the contents in it. During the robbery, one of the two men fired a single fatal gunshot into James' chest. Authorities said that after murdering the passenger, the two began to rummage through the car for any valuables, finding among among other objects two championship rings that Michael had given to his father. The South Florida uh, Sun-Sentinel reports the two had discovered they'd killed the father of the most popular athlete in the world. The boys then took the car and dumped James Jordan's body in a swamp in South Carolina. Despite James Sr.'s absence and their obvious concern, the Jordan family took three weeks to report the patriarch's disappearance. By this time, James Sr. had been found and cremated as a John Doe. A day later, he was identified by his dental records as told by the Chicago Tribune. The family had been contacting people privately, hoping that they had seen James Sr. All they knew was that he had gone to the funeral of his former colleague, but did not arrive at his destination following the gathering. Eighteen days after his murder, James' vehicle was found in Fayetteville, North Carolina. The discovery of the vehicle prompted the already worried Michael Jordan, to become petrified about his father's safety. As the Jordan family had worried and prayed, Green and Demiri, apologies for butchering his name, had stripped and abandoned James' car in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and made off with the valuable contents on Jordan's person. However, before dumping the car, the two young men made three dozen phone calls with James's car phone during a four-day period. It was these calls between July 23rd and July 26th that would be their inevitable undoing. As officers, after discovering the car, could track the calls made during the days after James had disappeared. 
The body of James Jordan Sr. was not discovered until August 3rd, 11 days after his murder, when a local fisherman came across the remains. However, no one could identify the body. Exposure to the elements had left it so unrecognizable that it could not be identified as a man or woman initially. The body was in McColl, South Carolina, more than 40 miles from Lumberton, where James had been murdered. After a coroner's report found that he was, in fact, murdered by a single bullet wound to the chest and that he was a man, James Jordan was cremated as a John Doe. It was only through the dental records taken prior to the cremation that the officers and the Jordan family were finally able to identify James Jordan. Three weeks after beginning their own investigation in the into their patriarch's disappearance, the family had finally learned the truth. Michael, his siblings, and Dolores had to face the reality that James Sr. was gone forever. The questions that were now being asked by the family and the rest of the nation were by who and why. While the murderers of James Jordan have given different stories about that fateful evening, both are forever linked with their victim. Larry Demery and Daniel Green, as told by the Chicago Tribune, had been lifelong friends in Lumberton, North Carolina. However, the friends did not spend their days playing video games, as former Robeson County DA Johnson Britt said, quote, I was dealing with two kids who were on a crime spree, and that culminated with the death of Mr. Jordan and each crime they committed together became increasingly more violent. Robinson County Sheriff Hubert Stone said at the time that the boys had been inseparable, with one notable exception, he said. They grew up together in the county, they started school together, they've been together day in and day out, except when one was in prison. While James Jordan was watching Michael compete for his third straight championship, Dion Green was being released from prison after serving two years for armed robbery and assault with a deadly weapon. D.A. Britt said that in the summer of 1993, the two had worked together on at least two other robberies. Britt says that during the second robbery, Green stole a 38 caliber gun from a store clerk, who he then shot and injured. This led Britt, Britt excuse me, to conclude that Green was the mastermind of the murder, as he believes the 38 was the murder weapon, something Green has always denied. The trial of the two boys came with a heightened media spotlight. The evidence against them was overwhelming as both had made phone calls from James' stolen Lexus before abandoning it. Green had also made home videos rapping while wearing James' stolen jewelry. Given all the evidence against them, as well as for multiple armed robberies, Larry Demery agreed to plead guilty and testify at the trial. While disappointed in his friend, Green was not surprised by Demery's decision. Still, the testimony was both a strength for the case and very controversial. According to his testimony, Demery said the two had planned to simply rob unsuspecting tourists at a nearby Quality Inn when they spotted Jordan's Lexus. Demery claims that Green desired the car and their plan was to tie up the owner by the side of the road. However, when James awoke, Green shot him without hesitation. Green and his lawyers argued against both the idea that he was the trigger man, and Demery's credibility, as he had much to gain by not being the shooter. And his temp testimony contradicted his previous versions of events. Both Green and Demery were convicted of first-degree murder and given life sentences, each maintaining that the other was the trigger man.
They both were convicted of the murder of James Jordan Sr. Though Demery's guilty plea and testimony against his friend and co-conspirator allowed him to be the first of the two to have the chance of parole. According to the New York Times, in 2013, two decades after the murder, Demery had his first shot of parole, was denied then, and again in 2016. In his third attempt, he was granted parole and is set to be released on August 6, 2023. As for Daniel Green, he has maintained that while he robbed and hid Jordan's body, he was not the murderer. According to Oxygen, Green attempted to get a new trial, but was rejected by an appeals court in 2019. Now 43, he remains in the Lumberton Correctional Institution. In a previous interview on the Oprah Winfrey show three months after the murder, Jordan said that he did not want to meet his father's murderers or ask them why he did it, saying, quote, it would probably hurt me even more just to know their reason, because it would be totally meaningless. Let us know your thoughts on this case in the comments section below. Were you aware of this uh, shocking murder? Let us know. As always, you can find us on YouTube, Good Pods, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Give us a thumbs up if you like our video. Subscribe to the channel. As always, thank you so much for watching and listening. We will see you next time. You have been listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast and on Twitter at True Crime NS. Follow us on Instagram at True Crime Never Sleeps. Thanks for watching. If you want to support the show, Buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNN or become a patron at patreon.com slash true crime never sleeps.